Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Relevant Podcast. It's Thursday, January 11th, 2018. It's a new year. That's how long it's been since we potted. Uh, we're going to talk about the Redskins. I'm not sure exactly in what capacity, but we're going to talk about the Redskins with Matt Turrell from the Washington City Paper. Hey, Matt. How you doing? I'm good, Jamie. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. Um, I don't even remember the last game of the season, um, but I felt compelled that we, you know, after we had done a podcast for every single game, weeks one through 15, that we had to do a 16th to complete the set. So here we are. Here we are. I can remind you that the last game was an atrocity. Um, <laughs> if you just picture, I don't know, uh, like a collection of videos of toddlers tripping and falling on the playground, it was kind of like that. Well, I had 14 Matrams in my house for New Year's Eve, including two Matrams under the age of six months. Uh, and the sentiment, even though we're all Redskins fans, except for my seven-year-old, who is a Steelers fan first, a Panthers fan second, maybe a Falcons fan third. <laughs> uh, he's among the lost generation of, of Redskins fans. You know, like should be, They should be because their parents are, but since the team's so bad, he's not. Um, anyway. We should have all been watching the Redskins. It was a 1 o'clock game, last game of the year, the Cousins Eli Bowl. But almost everyone was in agreement that the Red Zone channel was preferable. <laughs> like Nobody what? wanted to sit there and sit through three hours of miserable football. I mean, and that's it. I, by the end of the season, you would have to really, really like actively hate yourself to watch that game. Um, that wasn't the one I went to live. No, I went to the one the week before live. Yes. Yes. Okay, good. Whew. Yeah, I, among I, the faithful. I, yeah, I hate myself, but I don't hate myself that much. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, to, to me, at this point, the only conversation that really matters is inevitably uh, one Mr. Kirk Colomew, Jay Cousins. Um, I don't see any way to talk about anything else or really any point in talking about anything else. So, well, I guess, well, I guess as it pertains to the Week 17 game, the 16th game, I'd say two things. One is, even though it was meaningless – I really did want them to end the season on a high note. I wanted them to win three in a row, get to eight and eight. I f- that would have made me feel okay about the season and like the prospects going into the next year. But I don't think you should feel okay. I, I know, but I don't. I don't. I mean, I know it's meaningless, and there's a meaningless distinction between eight and eight and seven and nine. Really, I mean, I guess a draft position, whatever. Um, I f- would have felt so much better rather than them laying a turd, finishing seven and nine. The season seeming like a loss overall, and also to your to your point, Kirk Cousins having his worst game of the year, just to make this whole thing like a little bit more complex. So I, I don't know. I, it's possible, and, and this is good because it's legitimate. It's not just like first take. I think I disagree with both parts of what you just said. All uh, right, fire it I, up. Okay, so first of all, I think th- this is who they were. Leaving this season with anything other than a terrible taste in your mouth would be wrong. Um, so the fact that this one win. <laughs> Uh, manages to make that difference for you, I think is a good thing. Like, how are you going to walk away from what was, I mean, it was a miserable season. They just, they, even when they were good, they didn't seem good. Then they got devastated by injury. They had no backup plan for anything. The Cousins thing loomed over the season forever, and we'll get to that in a second. But, like, I don't know. I don't, this is not a season that I want to feel okay about. Look, I think, I think this is actually who we are. Going into the season, you were you were pessimistic. You were under. I looked at the over under podcast that we did from back in August. That was my research. Um, <laughs> over under was like eight point two wins. You were under. I was over. Nice. And and also like looking at the outcome, 
at seven and nine with all of the shit that happened, all the injuries, especially, uh, I'm like, fine, seven. That's kind of what they should have been. But eight, I'd be like, you know what? That's not bad. A 500 team, despite all of that, I'm feeling okay about that. I see the positive in that. But you know. <laughs> yes. No, no, you are correct. I don't. Although I'm, I'm disproportionately giddy to find out that I hit the over-under. That, that's a good thing. Yeah, I was over 8.2. You were under. That's nice. That's good. Way, way to live down to my expectations, fellas. Um, that's what you were so, rooting for all along. I, re- I really was. So secretly, if you unpack all my comments, that's what it comes down to. I, I, and as to the Cousins thing, like I don't think that him being bad made it more complex. I think if he had been really good uh, after a sort of slow stretch, I think that would have made it more complex. And either way, I don't think it's complex because I think he's leaving. I, I think he wants to leave, and I think he's going to leave. And I think that's going to be that. I mean, we can talk about it a lot, but I think that's what it's going to come down to. Well, I haven't really been paying attention. Like the last, I, I, I think since like Thanksgiving, whenever they like fell out of the playoff race, I've kind of been showing up on Sundays, sort of. You know, <laughs> I'm not really reading about all the, the you know, innuendo and rumor. Like I saw that it was rumored that uh, he would strongly consider Cleveland as a destination. Well, of course he would. Why, why wouldn't he consider any possibility? But what has happened since week 17 that leads you to believe he's leaving. So he, he did this event with 106.7 The Fan, which I don't think we discussed. No. Um, it, was a, it was for charity. Um, it's basically two and a half hours in which he didn't exactly promise transparency because we all understand that's impossible, but he was going to like speak to the fans. Um, and it's been fascinating, as with everything with Kirk Cousins, it's turned into a Rorschach test, whereby you can see in it whatever you want to see. So, of course, what I see in it is somebody who wants to leave. Now, uh, our, our buddy, your buddy and mine, Dan Steinberg, and I have been texting back and forth about this viciously enough that we both independently, without consulting, let off columns referring to our text message arguments about this uh, <laughs> in, in a not entirely flattering way. The famous uh, Turl Steinberg papers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody's going to find these and be like, God, these people hated themselves. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my contention is that what you can take away from what he said and what he didn't say is that there was an offer in 2015. His agent quite correctly said they're trying to pay you like a backup. And I'm, I'm dramatically paraphrasing here. Um, I'm unpacking. Uh, I'm removing all of the uh, bringing him peace and all of the like mm-hmm. happy Kurt speak. Just he, so his agent said, they're, they're offering you basically like, you know, I guess probably like Mike Glennon money. Uh, I think you're better than that. Uh, ball out. So he had that great. Uh, last so four so that season. that offer in 2015 was in yes. the middle of his first season as a starter. Yes, coming okay. up on the tail end, right before he became he was named Played NFC well. Player of the Month. Okay, got it. Um, and so, and you know, he was correct not to take the offer, but the way he's framing it is that they were like, well, let's see what you can do and then we'll go from there. But if he wanted to be here, he would have taken the offer. Then, uh, whatever it was, then last year when they, which is, I'm skipping a year because I don't understand mm-hmm. what happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. Last year when they made this offer, the Bruce Allen floated and it sounded terrible to me and sounded terrible to everybody. Right. He, he openly admits that he didn't want to negotiate. I think his dad came out and said like, Oh, you know, he wasn't going to take even the best offer for the highest paid offer in the league. Um, he doesn't want to be here. He just doesn't. If he wanted to be here, they would have figured it out by now. You look at like 
how Derek Carr's deal went. You know, he, mm-hmm. he wanted an extension. He wanted to be there. He got it done. But Kirk doesn't want to be here, so they can trap him here for another year and thereby trap you and me in another year, this same conversation. Mm-hmm. But to what end? Well, the thing I'm most curious about is why would anyone go to this um, Kirk Cousins event at a Jam and Java? Mm-hmm. In, or the Jam and Java, pardon me. The Jam and Java. In Vienna, Virginia. Uh, I mm-hmm. believe I believe it was a pay to play situation. Like you had to you had to pay like fifty dollars to get in the door. That's is that, is although that to be fair, all the money went to charity. But yes, you did have to pay some fifty dollars oh. or something. Now I'm the, the now I'm the asshole. Um, you are. <laughs> anyway, this is a strange event. I, I don't know anything about it beyond what we just said, but that just strikes me as, a, as an odd thing to do. Um, I, I don't pretend to understand it. Where, uh, especially so, when you, you know it's all going to be transcribed. It's all going to be rehashed. I think it was even broadcast live on 106.7, although I might be wrong about that. Um, I mean, it seems like an odd event to attend and an odd yeah. event to throw. Like, I, like, I don't know what, what that was. Well, um, so... Spitball on it though. Why? Why? Because I asked Steinberg the same question. Neither of us could come up with really anything. Why would you do that? What is? What does he gain? I don't, he does a lot of stuff where I don't quite understand it. Like I like him as a quarterback, and I'm sure he's a fine person. But like I don't understand like all the all the merchandise that he's selling on his website. Um, I don't know. Probably some other stuff that I'm forgetting. Um, okay, so, so he doesn't want to be here. Where would he want to be? You know, like the like. The, the Garoppolo, a.k.a. Jimmy Jesus, a.k.a. Jimmy GQ, a.k.a. Jimmy Guap emergence in San Francisco helps, you know, if you, if from the, like, keep cousins camp. Uh, Goff's fine season helps. Like, where else is a situation where he can look at it and be like, okay, I know that's going to be better for me as a, as a player and a person than the situation that I've been in the past couple of years? So two, two-pronged answer to that. First prong is if he really believes that, like, his ground here, the soil here is poison for him. He doesn't trust ownership. He doesn't, you know, we, it sounds like he and Jay Gruden are sniping each other a little bit. Uh, you know, it may be from that perspective that anywhere else is better. Yeah. But the other answer, my, my elaborate conspiracy theory that I don't think I had prepared last time um, is this. He goes to Denver, which is one of the top rumored sites, which may not seem that appealing because who is Vance Joseph, but Vance Joseph is somebody who almost just got fired. Vance Joseph's general manager is somebody named John Elway, who has Mike Shanahan on instant speed dial, text message, whatever. So if Vance Joseph doesn't light it up with Kirk Cousins under center next year, uh, then you just bring back Mike Shanahan, finally achieving the prophecy that was made so many years ago. Uh, and he's in an extremely Kirk-friendly situation. Uh, yeah, and everybody just a happy cult of Shanna clan there in yep. Denver. Totally. I, I mean, as I was asking the question, I knew the answer. And the answer is really, like, I'd rather be anywhere. Like, I'd rather be in Denver. If I'm, if I'm Kirk, like, I'd rather be in Denver than Washington. I think I'd rather be in Phoenix or Jacksonville or Cleveland. Like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess where I was coming from with the question is, like, he's found success here and there's stability, at least in terms of, like, the coaching staff and the offensive line. And he's in a system where he has found success. So, yes. you know, that's like a starting point. Like, where can I go higher than that? You know, where can I go higher than eight win seasons and 4,000 yards and whatever? Um, 
and really that's kind of anywhere. I mean, I, I don't know about the 4,000 yards thing, but like it or not, I think he can get well over eight wins with Jacksonville. I think. Um, well, Jacksonville got 11 wins with Blake Bortles. Right. I mean, so, so if, if Kirk Cousins is even, even my worst opinion of Kirk Cousins at my lowest moment, he's still universes beyond Blake Bortles. So, yeah, sure, Jacksonville is a miserable place to live, but if you want on-the-field success, it's great. And, hey, at least you don't have to deal with the people in Ashburn. I, you know, there's really no comparison for this. Like, a, a guy who is a good quarterback in the prime of his career, like recently, you know, leaving and going somewhere. I'm trying to think. I mean, the only thing I can think of is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is the closest, and even Brees – had uh, injury concerns when he left. He had that shoulder. And, and the Chargers time. had Philip Rivers. Didn't hadn't they already drafted Rivers? Yeah. Before yeah, Bree- they had, they, they or maybe it was the same offseason? I can't remember. Did they overlap? No, no, no. Yeah, they overlapped. They had them both on the roster. And I mean, that, I guess that's the nightmare scenario. Is like Cousins goes somewhere and becomes Drew Brees with the Saints. <laughs> I'm not. Pretty, is it the is it the nightmare scenario though? Because if he leaves and is terrible somewhere else, and it's revealed that the only thing that was propping him up was Jay Gruden's quarterback-friendly system, um, then it's like, well, what, why did you pay him $68 million when it, anybody could have gotten you the same results? You know, if he, at least if he goes somewhere else and is good, it's like, well, you screwed that up, but at least I understand why you tried to keep him after the fact once he developed into what he did. So I think this year... I mean, it was very similar in you know in terms of evaluating Cousins to the last three years, or, or I mm-hmm. guess his two years previous. And that I think it's pretty evident he's a good quarterback, but not a great one. And he's not. It's not like he's made this progression where you're like, oh yeah, he's bound for greatness. It's like yeah, he's bound to be good. <laughs> he's gonna be good. Um, but looking back at it, like his like. I'm not sure if he improved his standing. Like the evaluation of Cousins is is like higher now than it was coming into the year, or if it's like about the same. I feel like it's probably about the same and maybe improved a little bit. I think it's improved a little bit. I think people believe that he has improved every year later into his career than most guys improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you'll remember he was doing things. We we definitely, if you were to for some inexplicable reason listen back to the earlier podcasts when the season was looking promising, mm-hmm. he was doing things that we hadn't seen before. He was, you know, evading guys. He was, right. he was making quicker decisions. And if he gets better again next year, uh, you know, which he might, I mean, he really does seem to have this like wannabe Tom Brady thing going on mm-hmm. uh, as far as sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber and living a really, really weird life. Um, so who knows? Maybe he can do it. Well, that, that's what I want in my quarterback is I want them to have a self-branded method <laughs> and and uh, just go to the extreme in every endeavor and in, in every pursuit. Um, looking back at his over-under, by the way, it was 4,600 yards. Mm-hmm. He went 600 yards under, which, by the way, we said then is probably a good thing. You don't really want to go over 4,600 yards passing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was 24 touchdowns. He went over on that. I think he got like 27, something like that. Um and 13 interceptions, which, well, he was right on the nose. Um, so his numbers were pretty much exactly what you would expect they would be. Uh, every other Redskins skill position player went under, I think, in every regard. Like, which, which is baffling, right? I mean, 
how does the quarterback have a stellar, stellar statistical season and everybody else in the offense appear to be mediocre or worse? How, who does that speak well of? Who does that speak well? Like, what is the narrative there? What does well, that first of all, say? I don't think he had, like, a stellar offense. I think he probably he had a good offense, like, statistic season. Like, yeah. I don't know, 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions in today's NFL is, like, a good quarterback. How many other guys broke 4,000 this year? Do you have, do you have I don't have the in list in front of you? I would, guess, I would guess, like, a dozen, maybe 15. You think that many? I mean, basically any quarterback who is healthy all year that isn't Blake Bortles or Tyrod Taylor. I don't know. I mean, if you basically, if you average, like, 250 yards, 250 yards on the nose, you get to 4,000. That's just a pretty average performance, I think, if you're playing every game. But anyway, um, Reed, way under. Pryor, way under. Even Doxon was under, even though he's, he played all 16 games. He was under on yeah. uh, pretty much across the board. The Pirine, Kelly, Thompson, three-headed running back rushing total was like 1,500 yards over under. All under. Um, and that's the one thing. I mean, like beyond Cousins... I feel like they really need to add a receiver and a running back. <laughs> That's no small deal. Yeah, I agree with you. And I keep seeing people talk about, you know, our top needs in the offseason or this specific defensive position and that and the other. And I really think they need offensive skill players really, really badly. Mm-hmm. Like, really badly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially, like, you're going into next year, your top weapons are Thompson and Reed. Who both just yep. missed half or more than half of the year. And Reed, I don't think can be counted on for anything. After that, it's your slot guy, Crowder, and your other best wide receivers. I mean, Doxon had like a 50% catch rate. I saw some stats that was like almost like historically low, historically bad catch rate, given the, the volume of targets he had. Um, yeah, I think the last game he caught like one out of 14 targets or something ridiculous like that. Yeah, I mean, I, so, I don't know. Like he's promising but I don't think anything's promised, you know, yeah, with, no. with him. Um, so, I mean, you watch these, like, other playoff teams, like, I don't know. Running back, yeah, P. Ryan could be fine. Uh, Kelly could be fine, but they're not really going to get you much. They're not going to do much in the passing game. There's just some awesome running backs that are total difference makers out there, guys like Gurley and Kamara. Uh, I mean, the playoffs are littered with, like, difference-making, dual-threat running backs. And, yeah, I guess you could say that about Thompson, but he's never going to get a big workload, and he is injury-prone. Thompson could be Thompson could be in the Kamara conversation if he had a Mark Ingram to take up a bunch of the, the between-the-tackles work. Right. And we don't. They, they, they don't have that. I, the, the Gurley mention is interesting, though, because – uh, a year ago, if we had been doing the same thing, you would not have said that. I mean, Gurley was, uh, you know, forgotten. Dude, I nothing. dropped him. I dropped him in my fantasy keeper league. <laughs> like, wow, that, yeah, like, that I, that literally hurts to hear that. Oh my god! Uh, well, he was so terrible last year. To he your was point. terrible. I, yeah. I understand it. I mean, I, I totally understand why you would do that, but in hindsight, oof. Uh, yeah. I, I, think, I, I think I think like given his fantasy playoff performance, it was probably the type of year where like if you had Gurley on your roster, you had like a forty percent chance of winning your your title. Yeah, he 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 no, he killed me in one championship game and nearly cost me the playoffs by beating me in week 17 in the other league or week 16 in the other. But whatever the last week of the fantasy season was. He, so he so me. I mean yeah. clearly it, 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 but it's like McVeigh never had that type of talent at running back in in DC. McVeigh Gruden and they haven't had anywhere near that type of result. 
True, although Rob Kelly sure did look a lot better when somebody else was calling the running games. Better meaning what? Like, I mean, uh, he had, adequate. like, some good game. Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like yes. it was a breakout. Right, but so what I'm saying is it's possible that Rob Kelly is, in fact, what we saw this year, a, a sub-average NFL mm-hmm. running back, mm-hmm. and that with McVay there, that he was made into a good NFL running back. I, I don't know. I'm way in the. I, I'm a way deep in the church of McVeigh as far as like offensive strategy and, and that kind of stuff. I just mm-hmm. I've heard way too many people I trust say way too many really effusive things about him uh, that that who are in a position to know for me to just ignore it. So uh, you know, bear with me on, uh, that on the broadcast. The Rams uh, Falcons game. Did you happen to see the, at one point they showed like a picture of him when he was in like junior high school? Yeah, with the like, the like the, then hipster haircut kind of thing. It was great. I want to. Yeah. I want to find this um, after the fact. Uh, you know, real quick. You know what I think has been under discussed with the Rams is it's a little eerie how McVeigh and Goff and Cooper Cup all look like they were made from the exact same Jello mold. Like it's really weird. That's well, all. It's just like a certain type of white person that looks the same. <laughs> yes, this is true. But they, they have three of them in three of the primary offensive positions on that team. It's real weird. Yeah. Gosh, what, what, a, what a trio. Um, <laughs> the McVeigh thing is unfortunate because it's like everyone knew that he was kind of like, you know, the one that got away or like felt like that. And now it's kind of been proven this year that, you know, he was a really gifted coach and, and head coach. But it wasn't like you were, like you weren't gonna like get rid of Gruden and like say you weren't gonna like clear the way. Like you know, Gruden had a nine win season and eight back to back winning seasons. It, it you know like it, I I don't like blame the Redskins for letting McVeigh get away. It's just unfortunate. I don't either uh, then, but I think if I think you really have to give the Rams credit for jumping on McVeigh, what most people would have viewed as a year early, yeah. because I think if McVeigh had been here this year and the result had still been substandard for some reason, I think McVeigh would be the Redskins' head coach going into next year. Uh, I think that, you, the Redskins would have made the move what if. here. That's a yeah. good what if. Yeah, I, I, I could see that happening. Because I just feel like, back to like the start of this podcast, not only had we not recorded anything for like two or three weeks, but I, I don't have anything to say. Like, I don't have, I don't care. The team is like completely uninspiring right now. And well, what, what do you want? I mean, I mean, mean, what, oh, that, that's a good question. What do I want to have happen? I want them to resign cousins. And even if they do, it's not like I'm going to be fired up going into next year. There's still like, there's still like a malaise, but he's a good quarterback. I don't trust that the Redskins will, or that they have a plan to replace Cousins with another good quarterback. Like, y- you need one. You have one. Sign him. So, uh, they don't seem to have a plan, but things may break right for them. Just, I, I don't have anything in front of me right now. I'm spitballing off the top of my head. There's about four or five first-roundy-looking quarterbacks right now, uh, and that's before somebody blows up at, at the Combine and whatever else happens. There's uh, at least two to three, you know, real top, top five-y kind of defensive guys, uh, one or two or three skill position players. So the point is, sitting at 13 and not moving up, they could get a legitimate non-reach first-round quarterback. Um, and you put him behind McCoy, and you could be okay. 
you could be. But you're right. At the moment, they have no plan, and they're keeping their fingers crossed. I feel like you and I are on, almost playing against type on this because you seem to be optimistic that the Redskins could successfully draft a franchise quarterback, whereas I don't think there's a, a chance in hell. <laughs> well, I, just, the last I, just, two, I have no faith. To be fair, the last two quarterbacks the Redskins selected were the uh, offensive rookie of the year that I and a guy who's thrown for 4,000 yards in three straight seasons. So How dare you? How dare you the last, overlook the, the Nate last Sudfeld? Two playing quarterbacks. The <laughs> How last dare you overlook Nate Sudfeld? Who is about to start, or not start, who's about to finish in a playoff game this weekend. I really uh, want Sudfeld to lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. But, right? but, 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 but like, let's be clear, I want them to lose that Super Bowl. Absolutely. But I want Sudfeld to lead them to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% agreed. But, but my point is, they're... they're their quarterback drafting track record actually isn't for recent years, actually isn't all that terrible. And Jason Campbell, you and I both loved Jason Campbell. Like he wound up being kind of just okay, but you know, he wasn't, he wasn't horrible. There were a lot of worse quarterbacks selected in that same draft. I honestly, Jason Campbell gets a Christmas card from the Matram family every year. He's he's part of the family. Absolutely. Uh, We got that close. I mean, we've never met. (laughs) <laughs> no, but, you don't need to. He's he's yeah. just that likable. Right. Um, I don't. You're right. I mean, they they've not been bad on drafting quarterbacks. Uh, they also yeah, the flashback, the callback to Patrick Ramsey was nice. <laughs> was they nice. also they also haven't um, they haven't uh, been terrible at their first their first round picks. Like I feel like when the table is set up really obviously for them, they they don't. I don't feel like they've had a huge problem there. Am I wrong? Am I overlooking people? No, I think you're right about that. I mean, Allen Except for last Doxon. year and Sheriff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Doxon's a little tough, especially when you see what Michael Thomas is doing in New Orleans. I mean, it's yeah. fucking Although awesome. The, the weird thing is all the rumors about Doxon that seem to be borne out by various people's social media tweets is that that was a straight up uh, – what's the guy's name? I've already forgotten. Scotty Mack? Scotty Mack pick, yeah. Uh, I, that's the way that looked. So – who knows? Maybe we're better off without him. Hot take right there. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just I feel like you've got you've got a good quarterback. You've got one. Like, you, yeah, they could get one in the draft, but it's like, I don't know. What, what, I wonder what what it is like first round quarterbacks. Is it like 50 50, like 50 percent of them turn out to be like good starting quarterbacks in the NFL? I think it's probably much lower than 50 percent. I think it depends what what your time frame is. I would think from the last 10 years, probably 50, 50 is probably close to right. Right. So I just don't feel like taking that chance. I would so much rather have cousins and use that first round pick on like a bomb ass running back or wide receiver or whoever, just the, whoever the best available player is. I, I just think, I especially think if you remove from the, uh, you know, who, who was good at first round quarterbacks, if you remove, the Johnny Manziels and Tim Tebow's where like hundreds of smart people were like, these guys aren't going to be successful. And some team was like, Whoa, no, look at him. We've heard of him. Um, <laughs> I feel like the, the odds improve even more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I, I, but I'm, I'm intrigued. I like, I think I've said to you before that narrative intrigues me a lot more than the, uh, we're bringing back Kirk cousins. We drafted a wide receiver narrative. The like, right. the other one, 
creates a future for me. Whereas the Kirk Cousins one, I feel like you're looking at seven wins, nine wins, eight wins, nine wins, seven wins, seven losses, and two ties. I, I just I, well, I guess it totally it totally matters too, like who you're getting. Like last year, like the Texans and the Chiefs both took mid first round quarterbacks, and like I felt great about Watson. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, just an awesome pick. And I bet, you know, if I was a Texas fan, I'd be salivating. Like, how, how is he not starting? Like, and as soon as he came in, it was like he blew it up and it was obviously, like, a, a star. Right. That's great. And then you've got, like, the Mahomes scenario where, like, Mahomes has – I don't even know if he played it down. I mean, he might have played this year. He did. He played the last game. They, they, they rested Alex Smith. Yeah. Um, where it's like, I don't know. Like, it, the jury's still totally out. I feel like he's a total co- coin flip guy <laughs> like that so I, I guess my point is like it depends on who you take if they took like you know a Mahomes I would be lukewarm on it and and you know but if it was more of a Watson I'd be thrilled I don't know it's hard to say in hindsight yeah I don't know I think uh, even just using those specific guys obviously I'd rather have Watson than Cousins mm-hmm. I think that's a no-brainer mm-hmm. I would rather have Mahomes than Cousins I think that I think I'd rather see what his ceiling is I feel like we have seen or are close to Kirk Cousins' ceiling and and this I feel like I've said eight hundred times. So well, but, but 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 see, I'd also and I I'd also rather have Alex Smith than Holmes. Like I watch Casey and Alex Smith, and I'm like, that's a good quarterback. I know that's a good quarterback. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess it's. I mean, there's like five guys that might be better that are clearly better. It's just it's just weird that uh, you know because I feel like if you put Kirk Cousins in in place of Alex Smith, uh, he's probably better too because he has better coaching and better skill position players i don't know i just i I feel like i feel like this team is just everything about them just cruises for eight and eight they don't have anything to me as currently constituted that has the potential to elevate them you know Mm -hmm. i feel like gruden with a great quarterback could get past eight and eight i feel like cousins with a great coach could get past eight and eight but the that combination just feels so like the dictionary definition of meh to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Let me, I got another one for you real quick. Um, would you rather have Jay Gruden or John Gruden? Wow. That's a great question. Is, are we taking uh, compensation into account? Um, yes, but don't forget there's no salary cap for coaches so it's not your money so sure take it into account but like whatever well, it still matters though because like you, if you if you fire john gruden next offseason you still owe him like 90 million dollars this is true okay <laughs> yes yes so let's so let's do both with compensation or without okay um can either one of them like change their hairstyle um i uh, all evidence points to no in the case of john Jay okay. has done better on that front, I would say. Okay, because I don't know if I could stare at John Gruden's hair any more than I have to. My wife has an elaborate theory that his hair is designed to be worn with a visor, mm. and it only looks good with a visor, and that as soon as the visor comes off, he looks completely bizarre. That's my wife's theory. That's a really good point. He should, he should be able to like break societal norms and just wear a visor at all times. At all times. At yeah. all times. She, that would make her happy. She'd be thrilled. Um, I would rather have Jay Gruden. I, I think I would, too. I have like a weird – I don't know. I have, this isn't really based on much, but I think it's probably based more on like his broadcast stylings than his actual coaching ability. 
but I just don't have a lot of faith in John Gruden as like a football mastermind. Like I think he's just like kind of like a football like rah rah guy. He he is a rah rah guy, and I I got to see him that one time when I was covering that Monday Night Football game. I got to mm-hmm. see him do the rah rah for like the rank and file, the cameraman, the the producers, all those guys, and it worked. You you could. I finally understood what everybody is talking about. It was mm-hmm. it was remarkable to see. But I just don't think that's enough to actually win in the NFL. I'll take Jay Gruden also. Yeah. At some point in the past several weeks, I saw John Gruden like eating tailgate food with Guy Fieri. Uh-huh. That sounds about right. It, yeah, that seemed like it was like a perfect pairing. Yeah, that checks out totally. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what this says about him as a coach. All right, I don't have anything else. Are you writing about anything in- interesting? Have you written uh, about any- anything interesting? No, God, no. Uh, let's see. This this next column, uh, is it interesting? My argument is that we feel special about being like a cursed sports town, but that it's really just like everywhere else. It's just that we are prone to histrionics and to believing that everything is better everywhere else. I think I compare it to both uh, the reverse of the Red Zone channel, uh, and the reverse of seeing other people on Facebook. Like, all uh, we see is yeah. other people, you know. Uh, well, I Atlanta so had... So, no, not interesting. <laughs> Atlanta had an interesting moment this week with Georgia losing the national championship in heartbreaking fashion. You know, they were up 20 to... I'm assuming everyone who's a Falcons fan is also a, a Georgia fan. I mean, it's well, I mean, pretty overlapping. What else do they have to listen to Outcast. So, <laughs> right. Um... It just just huge like Donald Glover effects show fans. Exactly, exactly. Um, that's it. That's as, all they got. That's mine. Um, but so they get to the championship. They lose after being up twenty to seven in the same like twelve month span as being in the Super Bowl and losing twenty eight to three, or being up twenty eight to three and then losing. Um, I don't know what my point is, but that is really fucked up. That's, <laughs> that is, that's, that's really, really a lot to deal with. I f- just felt like as a DC sports fan, I was like we grumble about this a lot, but like respect to them as a fan base. <laughs> you know, well, like, that's, like that's too much. Look at, look at the, look at the bills fans, the bills fans who got so excited that Andy Dalton threw a touchdown to knock the Ravens out of the playoffs and put the bills into the playoffs. Uh, and then, you know, kindly and wonderfully sent hundreds of thousands of dollars to Andy Dalton's charity to thank him uh, for this, and then promptly lost literally the most boring playoff game of all time. Uh, if that had happened here, the woe is me-ism would have been through the roof. I mean, they had made the playoffs since 99. The Redskins, like this downtrodden franchise, this wreck of a franchise, they've made the playoffs four times since 99? At yeah. least four, maybe five. Yeah. I think four. Yeah. Um, and look at the Browns, one in thirty-one, the last two years. And it's not like they were burning it up before that. I don't know when the last time the Browns made the playoffs. Maybe like seven years ago they were wild card. I, I'm not sure. The the Derek Johnson year, right? Derek Johnson. Is that the guy's name? Is that the guy's name? Derek Johnson. Derek oh, Anderson. Derek oh, Anderson. Derek Horseballs Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Derek Anderson. My bad. Oh my god, that was like ten years ago. Yeah. Is that that long so, ago? So they, so they basically have had a worse like century than the Redskins. In the last two years, they went 1-31. in 31. Well, they, There was like and, a two-year span. I think the last Shanahan year and the first Gruden year, the Redskins went something like 8-24 and 24 maybe. Mm-hmm. That, that felt awful. Yeah, <laughs> like, real bad. 1-31, and they kept – and it was the same head coach, and they're keeping him. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, real bad. I, I, who is the white running back that the Browns had that made the cover of Madden? Oh, uh, Peyton Hillis. Yeah, that guy. They were good that year too, right? Was that the same year? I, man, I don't. It's all in that same era. <laughs> but but <laughs> it was so the, the same Browns. era where we were like growing up and getting married and having kids. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird. I still don't feel grown up. So the Browns this week uh, held a parade to celebrate their perfect season slash protest their ownership. Sure. Um, and then a number of players on the Browns came out and did the like, oh, man, if you ain't with us through thick and thin, you're not a real fan kind of thing. Um, and everybody around the nation just shrugged. And I feel like if we had done the same thing here, like whipped up by, you know, the echo chamber of the D.C. media and whatever else, I feel like it would have been uh, just sheer anarchy and chaos throughout the NFL just Stephen A. Smith yelling on, on TV. And the Browns doing it. Everybody's kind of like, yeah, whatever, man. What do you expect from the Browns? <laughs> well, that's kind of like their, their MO. You know, they're like the, like, it's almost like the Saints used to be. Like people would wear the bags on their heads to the Saints game. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the Saints. <laughs> or yep. the Patriots. The Patriots were like that for a long time. Well, uh, and what cued me on all this was, was Dan Steinberg, again, in one of our many text message arguments, was arguing that the Redskins' steady erosion of the fan base, including young Matram, um, is irreversible. That, that, that it's, it's, it's really bad, it's worse than any other team is the implication, and that these people are gone and they ain't never coming back. And I don't think that's accurate. I think that, you know, win 11 games once, especially win 11 games twice, and all of a sudden, all these people will be back. You know? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think that's the home field, like the home market dynamic. But for like the Redskins, uh, you know, expats or whatever that are like spread out across the country, I don't think that's the case. Like, it would take like a multi-year like Super Bowl contending run to pull in fans from sure. out of market. Like. Sure. Like, even fans that are, like, spawned by people who have, you know, like, multiple Redskins starting lineup figures still on display in their house. What kind of person would do that? (laughs) 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 Yeah. So, like, even despite me owning, like, an authentic, like, hog's hat with a snout, um, my son still just doesn't give a shit (laughs) about the Redskins. Like, like I, so I I don't know. I think what you're saying is true in market, but the, 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 this current generation I think is lost. I don't know how quickly, you know, several decades. I don't remember how quickly did Seattle become sort of like a national fan base of annoying people. (sighs) They had a really good run. I don't know how long it took, but I mean, Damn, that, that team was in the playoffs and had the best defense in the league for like six years in a row. Yeah, but I feel like the, the annoying national fan base happened really quickly. Yeah. Uh, they, they went from being literally no Seahawks fans anywhere outside the Pacific Northwest to just thousands of 12s. Just See, that's interesting because unlike Pittsburgh fans who seem to be everywhere, like I don't know why Seattle fans are anywhere except for the Pacific Northwest. Like, wouldn't you just stay there? Isn't it supposed yeah. to be wonderful? <laughs> In fact, I, I would actively move there just just because I'd become a Seattle fan. I, I'm looking for an excuse <laughs> right. to move to Seattle. Yeah. Like, I understand when you meet somebody and it's like, you know, yeah, I'm a Buffalo fan. <laughs> you know? It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that. I don't know why you still like them, but I understand why you don't live there anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure. Cincinnati, same kind of thing. Jacksonville, more than any place else possibly in the league. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. All right. We should. We probably spent way more time on this than we should, but we completed the set. 
we did. It feels good. If anybody out there made it through the whole set with us, I mean, God bless you. Thank as you. J- thank you so much. As JP Finley says at the end of his podcast, we owe you a beer. <laughs> right. Uh, the good thing is, like, his tab will be higher than ours. Much, much, much higher than ours. <laughs> By the way, I, I think I, I, I tweeted this that uh, my biggest podcast pet peeves were when the hosts say, we talked about, or we tweeted this, or uh, we slacked about this. The other, the fourth one is like when the, when the podcast host self-deprecatingly uh, talks about how small their audience is. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's see, but but it depends because I think some of some of them, i.e., some of us, have a legitimately small audience. <laughs> I I don't know what our audience is, but our reach is not great. Yes, when it's like I don't know Mark Marin or somebody, it, it seems a little disingenuous. Well, no, but, it's well in that case, it's always like the guest or someone. You know, like the guest will be on and. I don't know. It'll be like Jack White or somebody, and he'll be like, "If anybody's listening," and it's like, <laughs> it's like, dude, like a million people are listening to what you're saying right now. Although the flip side to that is Bill Simmons, who seems keenly aware of how enormous his podcast audience is, and perhaps over reliant on that fact. So who knows? All right. Well, in any event, it's been fun. Thanks it's for the de- thanks for the it, time. It has been. I look forward to talking to you again some other day. Somewhere. All right. Yeah. If anything happens in this in this uh, cousins development you know like if suddenly uh his wife and small child moved back to michigan or whatever (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll call an emergency pod emergency all right well thanks matt and thanks everybody for listening